There's that. Okay, Sally, all yours. Thank you. Uh, welcome to a school for A Course in Miracles. Uh, my name is Sally, and I'm here to be helpful. I hope. <laughs> I'm going to try. Um, I chose this section on the manual because I wasn't too sure what sacrifice, what it was, what the course was getting at with sacrifice. Um, and I needed felt I needed to understand just how uh, deep and dark it really is. <laughs> and I'm sorry to say it's not pretty, um, but isn't it interesting that Helen and and or Ken or maybe it was Jesus chose the unlucky thirteen for sacrifice. <laughs> Does anybody have any theory about that? Bruce, do you? You always. Uh I would just say it's it's also a mystical Fibonacci number too, so it all depends on which oh. teacher you're list using it with. Right? All right, well we'll change to that one. What's it called? <laughs> what? Well, well it, it you know it's there's twelve around one, so it's you know you could kind of think of this is uh, transcending the the specifics uh, with the Christ mind. I don't know. The apostles and Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, let's let's go for that. That's yeah. good. Um, so I thought we would um, have a little meditation before we delve into uh, the manual. So just take a, a moment to go within and quiet, quiet your mind from a busy day or whatever it is, is you've been doing. Just let that all go. That's over with now. It's in the past. So I'm going to read from a couple of sections in the in the course. It actually it's in chapter three. It's when sacrifice is first mentioned two times in chapter three. Sacrifice is a notion totally unknown to God. It arises solely from fear, and frightened people can be vicious. Sacrificing in any way is a violation of my injunction, Jesus's injunction, that you should be merciful, even as your Father in heaven is merciful. It has been hard for many Christians to realize that this applies to themselves. Good teachers never terrorize their students. To terrorize is to attack. And this results in rejection of what the teacher offers. The innocence of God is the true state of the mind of his son. In this state, your mind knows God. For God is not symbolic. He is fact. Knowing his son as he is, you realize that the atonement, not sacrifice, is the only appropriate gift for God's altar, where nothing except perfection belongs. The understanding of the innocent is truth. 
That is why their altars are truly radiant. So let's take a minute to let that settle in on our minds and hearts. Let's come back and begin ferreting out sacrifice. And isn't it nice to know that your the state of your mind is innocence? That is the state of your mind. Total innocence. So as I was saying earlier, um, to the few people that have showed up here before we got started. Um, I was lucky enough um, to be listening to Ken's um, CD called The Justice of Heaven. And on disc one in tract eight, he delves into sacrifice. So I thought that was really perfect because um, uh, otherwise I was gonna have to um, figure it out. <laughs> So um, hang on to your hats here, kids, because uh, I'm going to read to you what uh, Ken said. I, I typed it out this afternoon thinking, I, you got to hear this. I, I don't know if I could actually play it, play one of his CDs here and that you would hear it correctly or not. But, but here goes. Um, Ego was born out of conflict, conflict with God. Sacrifice is one of the key elements of the ego's thought system. That's how the ego came into existence. God had to be sacrificed so I can exist as an ego, I guess. And then, as Ken goes on, for me to make peace with God, he demands that I sacrifice. The Bible in the Old Testament is full of this type of thinking, primitive thinking, that God's son, that, excuse me, that God demanded sacrifice. That's very primitive thinking. It is so, but it is so ingrained in everyone's mind. We are born in the spirit of sacrifice and as a result of sacrifice and to appease angry gods, uh, the projection of our guilt we have to sacrifice again. Special relationships are replete with sacrifice. I will give you something so I can get what is rightfully mine. And you do something for me, but what I give you is worthless. So, and you do the same thing. Strange bartering, Ken says. God had to be sacrificed so I exist, and he is powerful, so I have to give something to him to sacrifice something. It's all based on someone loses, so I win. 
If I want to get the love that I want, I have to give up something. I have to sell my soul, and uh, I hate myself for it. I want to get my innocence back, and I have to get it from another person. I want to kill for it and get love back. I give you what I want, and you give me something. It is hell from a sense of lack and scarcity. The principle of sacrifice says something's missing in me. And it is you who, who have deprived me of it and I need it back. Someone took it and I'm justified in getting it back. I don't care if you lose. I don't care. Someone has to lose. I don't care about you. I just care about what you can do for me. Isn't that awful? <laughs> the sonship is not perceived as the same, but at but as different. You and I are different. I'll I'll get what I lack back. It's either one or the other. Either God exists as a perfect being or I exist. We both can't exist. Separation and oneness cannot coexist. Have you had enough yet? <laughs> <laughs> He, he goes on to say, um, uh, all this is saying is that you want to understand this from the perspective of the mind and not the experience of the mind because things are not the way they seem. There is nothing out there that could do this to me. And even though we identify as a body, we can make vast inroads in our thought system by understanding whatever I am feeling, no matter how powerful the feeling, physical or psychological, all these feelings and thoughts have a source and a decision my mind makes and not anything external. So there you go, right? It's, it's, all, it's all our own thoughts that creates the world and creates um, whatever misery we're experiencing. So, anyone have any any thought, anything to comment or say, or throw it out? You're right. That was a terrible thing you just read. That's a terrible thing. I don't believe Ken said all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I it's it, you know how he is. He's so with his with that New York accent. You just can't help but love everything he says. You know, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, so he just um, he just introduces us to the idea that sacrifice is it is that the uh, is it is that the crux of of everything? It's one or the other. Um, I want I want it my way. Um, I don't get no satisfaction, you know, and I want it my way. <laughs> and who's standing in my way? Damn it, you know. It's always it's always helpful for me at least to uh, sacrifices feels like uh, like when I was a little kid and we would go fishing and my dad would use eel bait and the eels were so slippery it was hard to do anything with them and sacrifice feels the same way it's like it feels like this really slippery thing that it's hard to get a any kind of handle on and hang on to it that's why I like one of the reasons I like the chart is. You know, you start with the tiny mad idea of separation, but you could have said tiny mad idea of sacrifice. 
in other words, what was sacrificed was my relationship with God. And, uh, and then in order that out of that tiny mad idea of sacrifice that I could sacrifice the innocence of God, I could sacrifice my own innocence in order to have this separated identity. And then that gets played out in, uh, in the whole story of, of uh, sin, guilt, and fear. Sin was the, the belief in sacrifice was even possible, that I could sacrifice uh, who I am. And then the guilt around that is horrific. Well, I mean, we killed our own innocence, basically. And then on top of that, you know, I'm a, God agrees with me. And now I'm afraid of him because he's going to demand sacrifice of me. He's going to make me pay for this sin, this separation. Yeah. I sacrificed him. Now he's going to return the favor. And then what happens, it all gets flipped around here. Instead of I'm boarding into a world like Caballero was saying, where, you know, I, I was mistreated. The world did terrible things to my innocence when I was a poor kid. It treated me badly, forced religion down my face. I was such a victim. But I mean, basically, it got flipped around. So now the world is taking away our innocence. Instead, here we gave it up. We sacrificed it. Now the world's trying to sacrifice my innocence. And ain't that right, Javier? Church did terrible things to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's not she's like what is he talking about <laughs> well we we still sacrifice love with every judgment we we make with every condemnation that that comes out of our little our little uh, minds you know we still we're still sacrificing we, we're sacrificing all of the characteristics of god's teachers you know um open-mindedness and mercy and tolerance you know when we're um, when we're in the ego so the ego is total sacrificing we're sacrificing just about everything um and, and ken ken said something also in this cd earlier he said uh, it isn't that we have an unkind thought he says but just don't have any unkind thoughts that you would keep because you don't you don't want to keep them he says the nicest kindest most wonderful person in the world uh, who's done a lot of their forgiveness issues, if they hold on to one unkind thought, they're not going to heaven. So we just have to <laughs> decide that we're going to let go of unkind thoughts. I have an unkind thought about someone who's on TV. I've never met this person. Um, I think she gave some advice once that I took and I thought and it turned out to be stupid. And I realized today I'm still holding a grudge against that person. Isn't that silly? <laughs> and, you know, our ego loves to do that. It wants to keep us in this little, little misery box, you know, where we can feel guilty about a stupid, some stupid thing we're, think, we're thinking about or thought about. And I've, over the years, I've let that go and it crops up every now and then. So I've, I've got to do some work on that. Well, you ready to go to what? is the real meaning of sacrifice it, it's page 33 in the um, manual for teachers anyone have anything else they want to throw out here and in, into the mix <laughs> don't be quiet i need you all to speak up <laughs> yeah steven 
Yeah, just don't, just, just don't say, don't be quiet. And I'm right there. Uh, I just want, you know, we were doing that 13, that, that 13 thing earlier. And uh, That's right. I realized that, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, because you, you like number 13 in the um, principles of the Course in Miracles. Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't think of that. And there's a bunch of other stuff. But what I was thinking about today is I looked it up the other day. There was a there was a rock group in 65. They were the they were the first rock group that ever used the term psychedelic rock for themselves. They were the 13th floor elevators. And I listened to one of those their songs It was kind of like pre punk uh, and, and really good. You said I could say anything. Thank you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, maybe I'll take that back. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just, I'm just going to read you what, what Ken says it, I, in Journey Through the Workbook, um, no, Journey Through the Manual. Uh, here he starts off with this. Sacrifice is the bedrock of the ego's thought system, the inevitable consequence of its core principle of one or the other. The ego warns us that we will be forced to sacrifice and suffer grave loss if we take this journey with Jesus and practice his course. If we give up judgment, we will lose. If we journey onto perfect oneness, our very self will disappear. <laughs> so that's how Ken starts off with his um, right off the bat and journey through the work, journey through the manual. So who wants to read uh, number number one here and comment on it? And um, um, Bruce, you want to go? Sure. I was actually following along with you on page 93 in Journey to the Man. And I, I like the other two sentences after where you left off. You um, like those? <laughs> can I read those? He says, uh, if we get, oh, go I'll, kind of recapitulating if we give up judgment we'll lose if we journey on to perfect oneness our very self will disappear our identity as individuals may indeed be a travesty of our true identity but it is our identity and we don't want to lose it yeah, I meant we thus believe in the reality of sacrifice i think that 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 yeah. i mean what you just read combined with that really nails it doesn't it i mean yeah it really yeah, does because we we think there's this loss is possible and that lack is possible and as long as as long as anyone has less than everything, then there's a skirmish in the mind, <laughs> and everyone loses. <laughs> yeah. Our identity, damn it. You know? Yeah, yeah. We think there's not enough to go of innocence to go around, so we got to hoard what little there is. Yeah, I, yeah. I would be in some kind of bliss of that I don't know if I could take that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Which which kind of ties into something I was thinking about earlier is is when when you started the the class, I was thinking of like, well, if I'm if I'm in a foul mood, I'm I'm sacrificing not only my peace but everyone around me, um, because I'm I'm basically it doesn't mean I you know it's not the course isn't about denying how you you know what your experience is, but if I'm if I'm just intentionally you know hanging on to foulness, if you will. <laughs> Um, and we kind of know when we are. Um, that that's basically I'm sacrificing my peace, and I'm not doing what I can, I'm not giving what I can give in that moment. And that I think is, uh, you know, just kind of the flip side of the usual kind of sacrifice, maybe. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, section thirteen. What is the real meaning of sacrifice? Although in truth the term sacrifice is altogether meaningless, 
it does have meaning in the world. Like all things in the world, its meaning is temporary and will ultimately fade into the nothingness from which it came when there is no more use for it. Now its real meaning is a lesson. Like all lessons, it is an illusion, for in reality, there is nothing to learn. <laughs> Yet this illusion must be replaced by a corrective device, another illusion that replaces the first, so both can finally disappear. The first illusion, which must be displaced before another thought system can take hold, is that it is a sacrifice to give up the things of this world. What could this be but an illusion, since this world itself is nothing more than that? And what if we realize it's an hallucination and we made it all up, as I've been hearing a few times in the last few days from Ken and in our groups. Um, yeah, and then, um, yeah, the, the, the meaning is temporary and will ultimately fade into the nothingness from which, which it came. And there's no more use for it. I think that no more use for it is a big clue. As long as, long as we have use for, for victimhood and martyrdom and self-pity and, and uh you know, we think we're getting some kind of mileage out of being a sacrificial martyr or something, you know, that kind of thing. Even if it's just in mild forms of being annoyed with something, you know, that's a clue. It's like, okay, I'm depriving myself of the peace that I could have in that moment. And yeah. I think Jesus is replacing the course um, for the, uh, he says, and we need another illusion that replaces the first. So the courses are the illusion that replaces the first illusion of having to sacrifice um, yep. out of the early earlier uh, well teachings of the preachers and church various churches that you you all you're all sinners and you're gonna go to hell you know um, yeah I, I just add, it seems like today's workbook lesson that has that wonderful little one-liner about the, the three steps of forgiveness. I was thinking about the replacement as you were talking about that. And it's like, well, we replaced what was real. So we need to replace the replacement That's right. with, by, by, by denying ego's you know, misinterpretation of everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Anybody else have anything to say about number one there? Well, I was thinking one way of defining sacrifices, because the purpose of sacrifice is uh, I have to kill something and then I have to eat part of what I killed in order to stay alive. I mean, it's not just I kill it, but I, the idea is when I kill it, I have to eat part of it. So in a sense, this whole story here is I kill a part of God. I kill a part of innocence. I take that innocence. I eat it. And I turn it into something else. And I'm this living separated thing at this point. So my whole sacrifice is really the bread and butter, the way the ego stays alive. And then that's pretty horrible stuff. But then it gets mirrored in the world, too. I mean, in the world, we have to kill something and eat it in order to stay alive. The idea of sacrifices is alive and well in the world. We call it going to McDonald's. But a lot of cows had to die for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what little vegetable there is on there maybe a tomato we had to kill the tomato to eat it we're still killing life in order to stay alive that's because it all started here we had to kill a piece of our of life god's life you know and run with it and eat it devour it and create something else it just goes on and on and on. it's really their bread and butter this whole separation thing 
not just sacrificing, killing it, but then eating it. Cannibalistic. Yeah, right. Cannibals. Yeah, down here, we constantly have to kill our brother and eat him in order to stay alive. You know, and in relationships, we do that, not even metaphorically, but I have to, I have to take a part of your attention, your time, your respect, whatever, and I imbibe that. I'll give you a little bit, but I, I really, I want your, your attention, your, your uh, concern, your whatever. And then I eat that and I make me real. I mean, it's, it's terrible stuff when you look at it. You pick such a nice topic, Sally. I can't, I thought you were a nice lady for God's sake. <laughs> no, not nice at all. <laughs> yeah, Stephen. Uh, yeah, in, uh, in the Catholic religion, uh, it, uh, there's uh, something called uh, transubstantiation. I think we all uh, know about this, um, but I, I was uh, I was practicing Catholic, and I went to a Catholic Catholic university, and I, I worked for a Catholic school for a while, twelve years of catechism, uh, and and so I thought, you know, if I went to church and I didn't eat meat on Friday, I could get to heaven, oh, right. and also uh, I had to make my Easter duty. Um, that 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 uh, I had to go to confession and I had to go go to communion. In communion, they call it the miracle of the mass, the transubstantiation, where the blood and the bread, I mean, where the wine and the bread are turned into Jesus's blood and Jesus's body. When uh, when the when the wafer is handed or put on the tongue, um, the priest says, "Body of Christ." Yeah, and so. In the Catholic religion, we have to eat Jesus to get to heaven. And when I realized that, it's it's like it's an it's an OMG thing for sure. Uh, but I, you know, they taught me, and I I believed that I knew how to get to heaven. But I had no idea about the cannibalism of the of the Catholic religion. Uh, and the Catholics are huge. At one point in in history, they owned one third of the land in the world that that was owned. I mean they're huge and 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 what they taught was and what you had to do at every mass was cannibalism thank you yeah don't don't bite the host jesus will bleed you had to let it melt in your mouth i i'm not kidding they had to be like m&ms you had to try you had to let the host melt isn't that right javier oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, they did it in the other churches, too. And I, at some point, I refused to do it. I always felt like, uh, you know, I, I just I just couldn't do it any any longer. I, I wasn't going to do communion. So you mean you, you bit down or you just didn't do it? I just didn't. <laughs> I didn't take the bread and I didn't take the wine. I just said, no, I'm not. I'm not into this. I don't believe in it. I don't know where it came from, but I, I thought it, I didn't like the idea. <laughs> I like Jesus too much to do that, I guess. I don't know. So, um, Dave, you want to read number two? I'm going to put you to work. <laughs> sure. It takes great learning both to realize and to accept the fact that the world has nothing to give. What can the sacrifice of nothing mean? Yeah. It cannot mean that you have less because of it. There is no sacrifice in the world's terms that does not involve the body. Think a while about the, what the world calls sacrifice. Power, fame, money, physical pleasure, 
Who is the hero to, to whom all of these things belong? Could they mean anything except to a body? Yet a body cannot evaluate. By seeking after such things, the mind associates itself with the body, obscuring its identity and losing sight of what it really is. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have anything to add to that. It's just, yeah, <laughs> say it's true. Ken <laughs> um, goes on to say the value, valuelessness of the world is a familiar theme in both the text and workbook. As long as we think there's something valuable here, we will believe God is going to take it from us and punish, punish for and as punishment for our sin. Uh, that is what gives rise to the strange religious notion that God wants us to give up sex, certain foods, wealth, pleasure, and happiness, because these worldly things are judged as bad or sinful. Yet Jesus tells us there's nothing we need give up because there's nothing here. <laughs> sacrifice, therefore, is the sacrifice of nothing. How can we have less than nothing? What we give up merely are our, our misperceptions of guilt and separate interests. What could be of greater value than that? So we can we can just uh, stop stop thinking that we're we're sacrificing, uh, it, because the world's not real. Do you all believe that the world's not real? A little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> I know. Well, the the body. Um, and he goes on to say on the, on the CD that uh, I'm not a body, I'm free. I, I'm still as God created me. I, but but um, our bodies seem to rule us. You know, when something comes up, you run to the doctor or you do this, you do that. You know, just to, to stay in the body and complete our my lesson. That's my that's my theory. <laughs> I want to get this done this time. And I'm not ready, I'm not finished with my lessons yet, so I have to stick around. Um, anyway, anything else on, on the sacrifice of pleasure? There's some churches that, you know, you can't, can't dance or wear lipstick or have any fun. <laughs> yeah, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, I, in some Kim's writings, he you know, says, being a libertine, you know, where it's like no holds barred, you just go go for the Schlitz beer ad, kind of all the gusto you can find in the world. Or being an ascetic, both both of those make the body real, make the world real. And uh, and of course, just reminds us, you know, which we're all working on is uh, it doesn't ask to deprive us of the little we think we have. And uh, right. I think that's a helpful idea. <laughs> it's like, yeah. All right. Anyone else before we move on to number three? Um, Maya, you want to read number three? Sure, thanks. Yay. Thanks, Sally. Once this confusion has occurred, it becomes impossible for the mind to understand that all the pleasures of the world are nothing. But what a sacrifice, and it is sacrifice indeed, all this entails. 
Now has the mind condemned itself to seek without finding, to be forever dissatisfied and discontented, to know not what it really wants to find. Who can escape this self-condemnation? Only through God's word could this be possible. For self-condemnation is a decision about identity. And no one doubts what he believes he is. He can doubt all things, but never this. Uh, it isn't uh, exactly applicable to this paragraph, but something that came up in my mind, and hopefully I'm not going to take us all on a detour down a different road, but um, I got curious about how how do we how does um, in the worldly terms, in the terms of the ego, how does the idea of sacrifice to atone for sins uh, fit in with this? You know, I, it seems like uh, Jesus is not really talking about that much here. Um, what came to my mind was uh, I was watching the movie at lunchtime, um, A Chorus Line. And I, I noticed something in the movie that I'd never noticed before. There's this conflict between uh, the director and one of his uh, his former girlfriend and primary dancer. And she sings this song uh, about why she left him because he's heard and he's really angry at her. And she sings this song called What I Did for Love. And I'd never understood the song until today, which is probably because of being into the course, I understand it better, that she sacrificed their relationship. She feels she sacrificed it in order to uh, give him a gift of uh, being able to focus completely on his career. But he, but she never told him. She just left him. And so uh, it got me thinking about the whole thing of um, uh, the Jewish mother, you know, the stereotype of the Jewish mother. It's like, I'm going to sacrifice for you. And, and and it seems like a way of projecting our unhealed guilt onto somebody else, you know, saying that I'm I'm uh, I'm sacrificing so so that I can be virtuous and so you can feel guilty. So it, anyway, I just uh, I wondered if other people have any thoughts about how does this fit in, you know, the the worldly notion of sacrifice as a kind of um, ego atonement, you know that also induces guilt in others. Any, I don't, am I taking us on too much of a detour? No, but I think um, the um, paragraph I chose might help, might help with that. So okay. go to page 539. Um, and it's uh, paragraph three. The, in the text, right? In the text. text of heaven yeah in the text yeah the justice of heaven it's chapter 25 paragraph three um it kind of jumped up out at me and as you were talking i thought about the this the um one or the other idea mm -hmm. uh they, i think kind of goes with that i see if this works um javier the javier you don't like to read do you <laughs> Rebecca, you want to read paragraph three? Let's see if this works for what. Yeah, can you tell me the page number again, Sally? Here, 539. Thanks. 
see if this works. All right, paragraph three. Uh, be certain any answer to a problem the Holy Spirit solves will always be one in which no one loses. And this must be true because he asks no sacrifice of anyone. An answer which demands the slightest loss to anyone has not resolved the problem, but has added to it and made it greater, harder to resolve and more unfair. It is impossible the Holy Spirit could see unfairness as a resolution. To him, what is unfair must be corrected because it is unfair. And every error is a perception in which one, at least, is seen unfairly. Thus is justice not accorded to the Son of God. When anyone is seen as losing, he has been condemned and punishment becomes his due instead of justice. Does that make any sense? <laughs> that, that whole <laughs> well, I was trying to define sacrifice earlier and it's, it's so difficult because it's just this idea I, the, the closest I could come up with is to make something less or to kill something in order to heal something else or make it better. So it's like, I'll take a little bit of this and I'll add it to a little bit of that. And it's always implying separation and that something can be better than another. And so in, in, in sacrifice, there's always a comparison where something has to lose in order for something else to gain. And so this paragraph is saying that if that ever is occurring and we're not bringing, you know, it, it's not being restored to its wholeness of equanimity or of equality, then nothing is happening. Yeah, no one, no one can lose. Um, uh, like the Jewish, the Jewish mother, of course, she, she believes that she's in the world and she's, you know, in the world is real. Um, but um, her attitude would be, um, um, well, she's blaming someone because I did this for you or I did it for love, you know. And therefore she, the mother feels like she wins because she's made the child feel guilty, feel, you know, less than. He was right. And, you know, and that's kind of what happened in the movie. It's like all of a sudden this woman who, you know, don't know why she left, you know, the director. And then, oh, she made a sacrifice. She did it for love. And then he feels completely differently. Obviously, she made him feel guilty. <laughs> so that's, but that's the whole tangled web of the ego world, you know. Right, yeah. And I, I think it seems to me that Jesus is talking in a much more level one way, you know, uh, in terms of uh, the, the split mind and how we can see, we can see sacrifice as, as nothing, you know, as something that isn't real. Anybody else have some, anything to add to this, uh, Bruce? 
Yeah, just just a quick comment. It just seems like if everyone has and is everything, then the whole concept of sacrifice falls apart. And that's really the only premise that works. Now, that's the only premise that the Holy Spirit maintains, it would seem. And that, that the everything that we all have is innocence. And if we all have 100% innocence, then there's no loss possible in truth. So it's the, the trick, I think, is, seem, is reminding ourselves that that's true, regardless of what seems to be going on in the world, and, and then still behaving in a you know, compassionate, normal way, <laughs> doing the appropriate things on the level of form while holding that vision in our mind. Oh, I was thinking two things um, that, that have helped me, I think, look at this idea of sacrifice. One is realizing every judgment I make about somebody, the way I'm sacrificing them in that moment is I'm saying, you're not the son of God. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and <laughs> separation. I mean, it's just, it's every, every judgment I make now. And not only that, just under the surface, I'm, sa I'm sacrificing me too. I'm saying you're not the son of God. So our true identity is God's son is out the window with every judgment we make, which is really the purpose of the judgment. You're not the son of God. And I, you know, I, I'm justified in making you lose. So I win, I get a piece of you. And then uh, the other thing is, this is interesting too, from a website point of view, we've got pages on the website on everything, on separation, on sin, on forgiveness, on Holy Spirit. The most popular page on our website that it gets more hits than anybody is the page on atonement. What is atonement? And, you know, the traditional Christian concept of atonement is Jesus came and died for, going back to what Mayo said, my sins. We have to sacrifice, we have to pay for the sins that we've committed. In this case, Jesus took care of it. And that's just been right from the beginning of the Bible on. Adam and Eve screwed up and, and you know, Jesus has to pay for the sins of his forefathers. And he does. <laughs> and God demands it. <laughs> he takes his one innocent son and hangs him on a cross. I mean, it's horrific. And then we make a whole ritual out of communion, like Bruce was talking about, and we eat the body and blood of Christ, or like Stephen was talking about. So, I mean, it's just, it's gruesome when you look at it from a course point of view, because it is. Yes. <laughs> it's rough stuff. And, you know, atonement from the course's point of view is your brother's already the son of God. You are too. And like Bruce was saying, there's no win-lose situation here. You're both once you realize you're both already winning and you've already won, there's nothing to fight about. There's nothing to sacrifice for. But the way we get there, I think, is always by realizing every little judgment I make, I'm sacrificing your identity and ultimately mine. And that's how it plays out in a practical way, I think, in terms of sustaining the ego. Right. My ego is sustained. I sacrifice you every time I judge you. Yeah. yeah. This whole book is about judgment. <laughs> Just get rid of the judgment if you can. That's because that's the ego. And we and we sacrifice. Uh, well, what we do is we we're separating from them like we separated from God. We've made a judgment against God, and and uh, killed him. Uh, now we want to kill everyone else that gets in our way. <laughs> 
Ken said something interesting here. Um, um, Jesus wants us to understand it is not the body that is attracted to pleasure or feels or feels pain, but the mind that directs the body's feelings. Our bodily identification makes resistance to taking these steps enormous, which is why the healing process needs to be gradual. The ego's defining maximum is seek and do not find. Um, we want to find God, his peace and love, but the ego has us look for him in the body or the world where he can never be found. However, the problem is not the world and its pleasures. There is no world. The problem is the mind's purpose of protecting, sustaining, and preserving its decision to be an ego, which our belief in the world's reality was made to serve. The decision for mindlessness is thus the problem. So um, he really uh, kind of lays it out here. You see, then he goes on to say, only through accepting the atonement can we escape the condemnation of self-hatred for its agony and anguish drive us into the world where we believe we truly exist. Uh, since we do not doubt our belief in the separated self, the only reasonable approach is to make this self be comfortable, uh, which to the ego means murder or killing another physically or psychologically is the only thing we know that truly protects the self because that is how it came into existence. Um, anything else on about that? Um, well, I think the image that, that I always think of when I'm thinking about sacrifices and one of, certainly probably the most popular video game that came out when video games came out was Pac-Man. And Pac-Man, in order to, for Pac-Man to grow and continue, he had to continually eat everything in his path. He had to kill it and eat it. And bye, 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 bye. And that's what I feel like we're doing, you know, as egos, the only way the ego can sustain itself, like Pac-Man, is continually kill and eat everything in front of it until it runs out of things to eat. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, okay. So number four. Javier is waving. Oh, yay. Javier. Go, girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just thinking about sacrifice, and I, I remember many years in my life here in Canada when we just came. Um, my daughters were very little. I mean, just born, and another one at two years old and four years old. And for at least five years, I remember resent and being resentful with them because I was sacrificing my time for them. I mean, I didn't have time for me, for myself. And my husband was working the whole day and I was in a new country, new language. I didn't speak English. The snow outside of my house was <laughs> I was basically entertaining these three little ones and I didn't know anyone and no family here so I was and I remember um, feeling like 
I'm sacrificing myself. And I had so many uh, interest um, reading books or writing or anything that would fulfill me, but I couldn't do it because I didn't have time. When one was sleeping, the other one was awake and I couldn't just lock the door or close my door and forget about it. No, I, I, I was there the whole time. And I was resentful at one moment. So now with the course and listen these, I don't know, honestly, if I, if I wouldn't be resentful or feeling that I was sacrificing myself at that moment, if I live that again with this knowledge, I think that I would be sacrificing my time anyway. I don't know how to, because I really like the first paragraph when they, it says, now, now is real, the real meaning is, is a lesson. So there mm -hmm. is a lesson there. And I like that. Yeah. I don't know what, how could I apply not sacrificing at that moment with this knowledge. I don't know. I, I cannot see the practical thing in my situation, but I don't know, just thinking about that. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I remember when my boys were little, I was thinking, I have to stay home and I can't go out there and their women's movements going along and I'm here I am stuck at home and I, I wasn't studying the course and I don't know if I either, if I would have, uh, if I had been, if I would have known I was, I, I wasn't sacrificing. I was being a mom, <laughs> loving them. <laughs> but I hear you for sure. And Lorraine has something. Yeah. Who does? Lisa's cat. <laughs> Lorraine. She's got Lorraine. Her hand up. Lorraine, yay. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. You're in the corner of my screen. There you are. <laughs> Yeah, what was coming up for me, because, um, you know, I come from a more Eastern background of study, and the idea, you know, yoga and Buddhism, and this idea of sacrifice is kind of built into the practices that we need to do sacrifice, uh, abide by austerities, in order to practice letting go of attachment like it's a purification that that the attachment to the ego the attachment to these things has to be let go of and so you know in thinking about the course it's like you know the course is saying we're, there's nothing impure our true nature is already pure and we're whole complete and innocent so there's nothing to do to to um, to purify yourself in order to 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 be that you're that already so it's just interesting because I come from that orientation like you know you should fast you should you know abide by certain austerities to break down the ego so you're not attached to these things um, so and and I think that there's something to that from that point of view but also i think when we're on this path any spiritual path things start to fall away naturally like you don't want to do certain things anymore it's like you don't have to force yourself and impose this 
you know, austerity practice. It's like it naturally things start to fall away and you're just not interested anymore. Yeah, that's all. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Ken Ken says um, in the CD, he says eventually uh, we get to the point where where we realize our unkind thoughts are painful, and and we can't we can't can't do it anymore. It's just too too painful to uh, to uh, to think to think the unkind thoughts. It's kind of like I was thinking about what Lorraine was saying, and and certainly I've, I've been through that kind of yoga and discipline uh, it's like and in a sense from an ego point of view and certainly if i'm doing those practices whether it's yoga or buddhism or a course of miracles if i'm doing that with the yoga with the ego it's going to say i'm not holy and i'm trying to be holy i'm not right there yet but if i just tweak this and tweak that and get my body in shape get it relaxed take the right stuff and, and I, I don't know it never worked for me. <laughs> I tweaked like crazy, and you know, I was, I was, I was good at it. But I mean, it didn't make me happy and feel good about myself. Or, I mean, and behind all those things, if we do anything with the ego, it's always there's going to be something standing in my way. Usually, a face, whether it's Buddhism or trying to do yoga right or whatever it is. The teacher, I don't like them. I mean, there's always going to be a judgment around it. There has to be. If I'm doing anything with the ego, even religion, there has to be all kinds of judgments about it. So it was it was never about what I was doing. Once again, it was always and still is, who am I doing it with? Even the course, especially, of course, now, because that's what I do all the time. If I do the course with the ego, look out. You guys are out for it. <laughs> uh -oh. But yeah, real. <laughs> don't get too mad. Right. <laughs> okay. Anybody else? Yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, that that then you're actually like pumping up the ego. Like I'm really good at sacrificing. I'm really good at purification practices and abiding by austerities. Pump, pump, pump up the ego. <laughs> Align with the ego even more. Oh yeah, I'm way more holy than you are. <laughs> I'm ascetic. <laughs> Look in the mirror. Who's the holiest in all? <laughs> yeah, right. Mirror, mirror on the wall. That's good. Yay, Bruce. I just had a, a comment listening to Javier's story about her three daughters, and I was thinking about a comment that Ken made in one of his audios where he was talking about where you know for a long time. I'm probably paraphrasing this somewhat. Hopefully, I got it, the gist of it right. But he was saying that, you know, he he thought that he was there to teach and write books and so forth. But then he realized, you know, that his classroom really was all the gazillion interruptions that happen throughout the day, and that the classroom I think is recognizing that that's not a sacrifice seen properly. It's like that that is uh, the gift. You know, every, everything that comes to me uh, is really coming from me, and it's my my gift to. Uh, myself to to bring it inside and and see that it's uh, an opportunity for forgiveness and and healing. Yeah, thanks. That's nice. I remember that one too. Now that you mention it, it was a good one. I th and I think going back to what Javier said that that's one of the main reasons young adults have children. They're too dumb to realize how how much they're going to have to give up everything in order to raise this family. <laughs> <laughs>
that really helped. Thank you, Tim. Okay, Jim, you want to read number four for us? I'll try. <laughs> Back at the ranch? Yeah. Okay. God's teachers. All right. God's teachers can have no regret on giving up the pleasures of the world. Is it a sacrifice to give up pain? I think it's in uh, Obstacles to Peace where he says pain and pleasure are really the same thing. Right. And that's what he's saying here. Is it God's teachers shouldn't can't have any regret on giving up pain of the world. Is it a sacrifice to give up pain? Does an adult resent the giving up of children's toys? Does one whose vision has already glimpsed the face of Christ look back with longing on a slaughterhouse? Oh, he's being really pleasant here. <laughs> no one who has escaped the world and all its ills looks back on it with condemnation, yet he must reject that he is free of all the sacrifice its values would demand of him. He must rejoice. Yeah, you know, and I, what sacrifice demands, you know, is is constant judgment. I mean, I mean, he does, he's not really making a case for that here, but but certainly the before and after of all this stuff in the manual is all about judgment. Yet he must he must rejoice that he's free of all the sacrifices, all the judgments that its values would demand of him. To them, he sacrifices all his peace. To them, he sacrifices all his freedom. And to possess them, he, he sacrifices, and to possess them, must he sacrifice his hope of heaven and remembrance of his father's love? Who in his sane mind chooses nothing as a sub substitute for everything? Well, I mean, that's more than implying we're all crazy because we that's what we all chose. We all chose to believe in sacrifice. We all chose to believe we could make something out of nothing. We all chose to believe that if I judge you, I'll sustain myself. It's just, it's just ongoing, not very kind. <laughs> it's just not kind, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, Lisa. What, when you were reading this paragraph, I sort of went back to our lesson for today, which is giving up attack thoughts. I mean, I can escape the world I see by giving up attack thoughts. You could see that as a sacrifice, but what am I giving up? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Number five. Abby, you want to read number five? You've been kind of quiet there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll read that. <clears throat> what is the real meaning of sacrifice? It is the cost of believing in illusions. It is the price that must be paid for the denial of truth. There's no pleasure of the world that does not demand this. For otherwise, the pleasure would be seen as pain and no one asks for pain if he recognizes it. It is the idea of sacrifice that makes him blind. He does not see what he is asking for, and so he seeks it in a thousand ways and in a thousand places, each time believing it is there and each time disappointed in the end. 
Seek but do not find remains this world's stern decree, and no one who pursues the world's goals can do otherwise. <clears throat> well, sacrifice can only occur in, in the world's dreams. It, it can't occur when we go above the battleground when we join with the Holy Spirit, it's only in the uh, below where Tim's chart is at the bottom of the chart. That's the only place it's going to happen, and <clears throat> and that's just you know when when you're talking about transubstantiation, I thought what better way to reinforce the body? Everything is a reinforcement of my body identity. If I can sacrifice, be in pain, bargain, that's a total reinforcement of my body identity. It's I don't want to go to the stately calm within. I don't want to join with my reality. And I certainly don't want to join with the reality that is every single other apparent person external to me. I want to believe, as long as I can sacrifice, that the world is causative and that I can cause other people, like uh, Maya was saying about the chorus line, I can cause that my, my uh, boyfriend to have a better life and there is nothing in externally, there's nothing in the world that's causative. And, and that's what this course is taking us to, is the complete reversal of the world. And what, what she did for love, she made that decision first and then found something to sacrifice, which turned out to be a relationship with her boyfriend. But the decision preceded the action. So... This is just I, just going back to that identity issue uh, that he talked about in uh, paragraph uh, whatever, two or three. You know, there's a confusion of identity that, uh, no, I, I don't want to go to the stately calm within, and I certainly don't want to join Jesus above the battleground. No, 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 no. Let's keep sacrificing here in the world stream. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's always always a good reason. Pleasure and pain reinforce the body, identity. Okay. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, Ken says, uh, uh, reminds us in chapter 26 opens with the section, the sacrifice of oneness. The same sacrifice Jesus speaks of here. The real sacrifice is giving up our joy, freedom, hope, and life. By remaining with the ego, that is what we lose. And yet Jesus, with Jesus, we lose nothing, literally, for the world is nothing. So we're not losing anything. He says, uh, if we were really clear that holding on to judgment brings pain, and that letting go of them brings happiness, there would be no problem. The impediment is that we still believe pain is freedom because it means we exist. 
we do not recognize the cost to us of holding this belief. We're still confusing joy and pain, imprisonment and freedom. So uh, it, it is quite a cost to, uh, to hold on to the, uh, the idea that, uh, you know, well, we're, we're born with the gavel in our hand, you know, as, a, as little kids, you know, we like this, we, we don't, we like this toy, we don't like that toy. The ego is always uh, making decisions about what it likes and what it doesn't like. And uh, so we're at a point in our life where we don't have to do that anymore. We can, we can give it up. We can let it go and be, be really free of, of the whole, uh, the whole, the whole mess. Um, I was thinking a lot of this, he's talking about this sense that we have to sacrifice a few of our special love relationships in order to be happy, in order to find peace. And, uh, and I think that's the way he's handling sacrifice, you know, throughout this for the most part is that there seems to be something I have to give up in order to get a little bit more holy, like Lorraine was talking about, mm -hmm. you know, do a little bit more yoga, <laughs> learn a few more asanas. Um, not, not that there's anything wrong with any of that stuff, but, but this idea that I have to be somehow tweaking my special love relationships here and there a little bit the few crumbs I've allowed myself to feel good about and somehow I got to get now I got to give them up. In one place in the text, he says, if that were true, that you weren't already holy, of course, you'd be a fool to give up your your few little special love relationship rushes. It'd be, you know, insane to give that up. But all they're all they're really doing is it's a setup when they eventually let you down and all special love will, you'll really be justified then about sacrificing whoever did it to you, <laughs> throwing them under the bus. <laughs> Look what they did. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, and we're doing all this to ourselves and then we pretend we're not. Yeah, this the special love set up, and that's what I think he's talking about most here. We run around looking for a few crumbs, and then Jesus tells us, seemingly, we got to give up those few crumbs in order to come be with him. And, nah. <laughs> Thank you. Anyone else? Lisa. This was the sentence from back at the end of paragraph two, and I think Ken has like the most amazing thing about that sentence he says by seeking after this was the the last sentence by seeking after such things meaning like he's talking about power fame money but it's special love or whatever too such things the mind associates associates itself with the body obscuring its identity and losing sight of what it really is and then ken says here in one sentence is a summary of the ego's strategy the ego directs the mind to divest its identity and make itself mindless. The outcome being that we think we inhabit a body ruled by a brain. Thus, we crave the things of the body, believing it is sacrificial to give them up. Right. In doing so, we merely confirm the body's, quote, reality, unquote, which renders the mind non-existent. Thus, once again, if we do not have a mind, we cannot change it, allowing our original decision for the ego to remain intact. 
what a brilliant success the ego strategy has been. You know, so I don't know. I just thought that was like, yeah, that was a good one. That clinches it for me. You know, that's for anything we do with the body, right? It's, you know, it's so sure we're a body. Our, that is our total, our total identity. Yeah, Bruce. And, and to, to add to that brilliant sentence that uh, Lisa just read, uh, to paraphrase Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, and what would you do with a mind if you had one? <laughs> Yay. Yeah, what would we Her comment to the scarecrow, but uh, I think it, it works well. as. <laughs> uh, so, Lisa, you want to read number six? I'm watching the time here. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you may believe this course requires sacrifice of all you really hold dear. In one sense, this is true, for you hold dear the things that crucify God's son, and it is the course's aim to set him free. But do not be mistaken about what sacrifice means. It always means the giving up of what you want. Mm. And what, O oh teacher of God, is it that you want? You have been called by God, and you have answered. Would you now sacrifice that call? Few have heard it as yet, and they can but turn to you. There is no other hope in all the world that they can trust. There is no other voice in all the world that echoes God's. If you would sacrifice the truth, they stay in hell. And if they stay, you will remain with them. Yeah, I think it just goes back to, you know, like what we do as egos. I mean, it's not the things that we do with our body. It's the attack thoughts. It's the grievances. It's the judgments. That's what's keeping us from, you know, finding that oneness and being with God. It's not about whether we um, have money or whether we eat meat or do yoga. Yeah, really. <laughs> or have massages. And, <laughs> um, and Ken says... Um, a Course in Miracles does not demand that we sacrifice what we cherish and hold dear. Hate, murder, specialness, loss, separation. But we believe that letting go of it will cost us, and so we need an elder brother to teach us the insanity of our thinking. The resistance to letting go of our self, smallest self. The arrogant assertion that we are bodies strengthened by our relationship with other bodies in competition for love and attention makes this course difficult, even though its teachings are so simple and straightforward. So yeah, it's um, it's kind of amazing what we uh, what we have become used to. You know, we become used to the the uh, the misery that we're that we're. Uh, sitting in um, he goes on to say um, the call of the atonement to awaken from the dream is our salvation for this alone brings us happiness and peace first whoever however we have to be convinced the ego's call 
separation and specialness will not bring us anything. It won't bring us anything we want. We, we may think we agree with this statement, and perhaps we do intellectually, but the fact that we still hold on to judgment and find practicing this course difficult as our resistance builds tells us there's a part of us that is still terrified. Remember, we made this world to escape from the burden of guilt in our minds. The guilt is made up, but we convinced ourselves of its reality and think if we let it go, this world, we are healed. We'll be thrown back into the mind where we are avenging God. Yeah, guilt is what we project out because we have to get rid of it. And so that's, that's one of the things that uh, we do with our little judgments is we're just getting, getting rid of, flinging, flinging our, the guilt out, out of our awareness. I want to get rid of my, my guilt. I don't want to. <laughs> Why would you want to hold on to it? Well, we could forgive it, right? <laughs> so Tim, uh, no, Jim, Jim up there. Uh, why don't you read number seven for us? I wanted to quickly comment on, on that last half of that paragraph because it, yeah. reading it reading it from an ego point of view, it sounds like Jesus is asking me to be the new Messiah and I got to die on the cross so that everybody can be saved along with me. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I mean, there's more than a few ways he kind of tricks me. Few have heard it as yet. Oh, I, I heard it. <laughs> I heard it. I'm one of the lucky ones. I heard it. No, I'm one of the few who haven't heard it. I mean, I'm one of the few. I'm one of the many who haven't really heard it yet. And not very often. Few have heard it as yet. He's talking to me. And they can only turn to me, meaning I'm the one that was condemning the world. And I'm the one that's got to stop doing it. Everybody's turning to me with a call for love. Like, please stop condemning us here. <laughs> it's what we're saying to each other all the time. Please don't condemn me. <laughs> Stop pretending I'm not the stop pretending I'm not the son of God. And there is no other voice in all the world that echoes God. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit. It's if you would sacrifice the truth, everybody else stays in hell. Not really. It's only because I see him in hell. I can I'm condemning them constantly. I'm the one that's putting him in hell. That's right. Do I want to stop doing that? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, one of the things that uh, Ken said that I didn't get around to reading was uh, about that is he says being called by God is not meant literally the Holy Spirit's presence in our mind is the meaning of God's call so so we're not I don't know we don't have to be think we're special because we got <laughs> yeah that, the ego would go there huh oh yeah right <laughs> Mel Gibson will have to make about a movie about me suffering and dying on the cross <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, Jim, take it away there, number seven. Uh, All right. Mel Brooks. Huh? What did you say, Bruce? Oh, I just responded to him and said, not Mel Brooks. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was funny. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> number seven. <clears throat> Do not forget that sacrifice is total. There are no half sacrifices. You cannot give up heaven partially. You cannot be a little bit in hell. The world of God has no exceptions. It is this that makes it holy and beyond the world. 
it is its holiness that points to God. And it is its holiness that makes you safe. It is denied if you attack any brother for anything. For it is here the split with God occurs. A split that is impossible. A split that cannot happen. Yet a split in which you merely will believe because you have set up a situation that is impossible. And in this situation, the impossible can seem to happen. It seems to happen at the sacrifice of truth. Yeah, I, you know, I, um, the word of God has no exceptions. You know, um, it's, it's comforting to hear that, to know that, that, you know, that that's there in the book. Um, yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, reassuring, isn't it? Um, Maya has something. Yeah, Maya. Yeah, I, um, what strikes me in this paragraph is that that the tiny mad idea, the moment of, uh, you know, deciding that God's love wasn't enough and separating, it's like when we make a judgment, it sounds like Jesus is saying every instant, it's the unholy instant in which the tiny mad idea happens over and over and over every single time we make a judgment. We are, we are inducing the, the sense of a split that never happened, but we're every judgment. Tiny mad idea. What do you think? I think so. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Dave Dempsey was talking about <clears throat> was 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 kind of mulling over why God why Jesus uses the word attack instead of judgment. And and I I just think it's like from his point of view, it's real clear that any judgment is an attack. It's not just, oh, I judge you as being a bad guy. No, I, I've attacked your divinity. I say you should go to hell. You know, all this punishment is 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 more than invoked in that attack. And uh, you know, it, it's it, it's an active, it's 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 kind of an active thing that's happening, not just a judgment, not like uh, you know, I made a judgment about you. I'm attacking you. So in line nine. It is denied if you judge any brother for anything. The truth is denied. And like Maya was saying, this is an ongoing thing. It's not like you split from God before. Every judgment we make, every attack we make, insists we're separate from God, insists we're separate from each other. And that's a sacrifice. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it's everything. Right. Mm. The attack is like an active splitting. I mean, almost like taking an axe and just, you know, cutting something in two. Yeah. Every attack is a split. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce. Yeah, along those lines, axe or scissors. I was thinking about the, the screaming two-year-old was running with scissors, you know, the sort of a metaphor for mm -hmm. <laughs> everyone's ego. <laughs> Making all those little things that divide and separate, you know. 
And Holy Spirit just calmly with this infinite stash of crazy glue uh, is putting everything back together. Of course, it never was separate, so it isn't, there's no work involved in that. So. We're all two-year-olds running with axes. What <laughs> <laughs> a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Little axes, because big ones are too, too heavy to carry. Rubber axes, rubber axes. <laughs> um, Stephen, you look pretty comfortable there. You want to read? No, Maya, Maya had, a, had a comment. <laughs> oh, just, oh, sorry. Just a, yeah, just a quick comment. I was thinking about my grandson, um, Alex, who's now nine years old and is definitely the apple of my eye. Yeah. When he was about two, and he's always been in the 90th percentile for height and weight, he was a bruiser from the get-go. I think he was 10-pound baby or something. And I remember when he discovered that he could get a reaction from me, and he would whack me with all his might across the face oh. and then laugh, you know, like maniacally. <laughs> <laughs> one time I remember it, it, he really hurt me and I, I, you know, I don't believe in hitting kids, but I whacked him as hard as I could on the bottom. And he was so shocked. <laughs> he never thought that would be a consequence. you know. <laughs> and I remember he thought it was hilarious when he hit me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't do stuff like that anymore. <laughs> but that's, he liked your face you know. but that's reminiscent of, of what bruce was saying about the two-year-old running with scissors you know, just <laughs> a little fullback running and just whack all righty steven anybody else have anything before steven takes us home on this on this uh, sacrifice journey <laughs> lorraine has her hand raised oh lorraine yay <laughs> Yeah, it was just coming to me how when we look at the the ego, the the behavior of the ego mindset system, that it's like so based on deception. You know, the projection is deception, the the sacrifice is deception. And that's why when we're in that ego thought system, we never we're always on guard, you know, besides the 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 real truth of why we feel the fear but there's this sense of uncertainty and not trusting because it's all like deceitful <laughs> it's so it's all like this hidden shadow stuff that you have to feel always on 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 edge yep yeah Thank and you. that doesn't feel good <laughs> a little paranoid <laughs> Yeah, and it's a self-deception on a scale so vast that it's just like, really? Really? I'm sitting in an illusion right now? We're all sitting in an illusion right now? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> so so to, in response to Lorraine's comment, so we're all double agents, you know, afraid of both sides. We're, we're agents of duality and doubleness. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right. Okay, Stephen, you got it. Teacher of God, do not forget the meaning of sacrifice and remember what each decision you make must mean in terms of cost. Decide for God and everything is given you at no cost at all. Decide against him and you choose nothing at the expense of the awareness of everything. What would you teach? Remember only what you would learn for it is here that your concern should be. Atonement 
is for you. Your learning claims, your learning claims it, and your learning gives it. The world contains it not. But learn this course and it is yours. God holds out his word to you, for he has need of teachers. What other way is there to save his son? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, anything you want to say about about that? Uh, yeah, when, when, when Javier was talking, uh, you know, I, I, I could see the strain of the of just even thinking about the kids, a newborn and a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Uh, uh, when he was talking about innocence, uh, on, he's, done, he's talked about it on several CDs. He said, uh, he said, people think the kids are innocent, but they're need machines. They're here to distract you from everything. I mean, being a parent is 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 all about is all about uh, uh, being distracted, and and is all and and what does that mean? It always means and sacrifice is the same way. It always means we forget what we really are. You know, we we're you know we look at differences. What about what is it about differences? We forget what we what is it about attack? We forget what we and you know and specialness same thing. Uh, it's it's all about the separation. I, you know, I, I, I hesitate to talk about this, but I was sitting on the edge of the bed today, and I realized I I don't think I ever did the atonement thing, you know, the way I did it today. But I realized uh, that uh, I can accept atonement my, for myself, and realize this is all a mistake, every bit of it. And so the rest of the day, I saw I saw everything as a mistake. And I felt pretty good about it. And I realized that if I did that, I could forgive myself for that mistake. And I could, I could forgive everyone else for that mistake because there's only one of us. And I did just think about that and it got abstract like it seems to always do, do for me. But, you know, this is a course in forgiveness. and This is a course in, in, uh, in learning what we really are. And that's what I'd like to learn uh, every single day and every single moment. And every once in a while today, that's all I did for just a little bit. And then I'd do it again and I'd forget. And then I'd do it. And, and so uh, the sacrifice thing today, I understand it better than I ever have. I can't stand the subject. I know. I don't, I don't like it at all. And I don't even want to talk about it. When I saw it today, I said, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't know. But uh, I'm really glad I'm here. Y'all taught me a lot today. I sure appreciate it. I have a I have a question for you, Stephen. So when you yeah. said you 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 for, you forgave yourself for the error, was the error the separation from God? What was your error? Yes, the error was the separation for God. Okay. But for me, in the moment, it was it was just a mistake. What's the yeah, deal? Yeah, it was just a mistake. You know, yeah, it wasn't a sin. Yeah, like you know, somebody wants jam on their toast, and you put butter instead. It's it's that, it's it, it's that innocuous. <laughs> well, you know what, guys, our time is, is up. I should I? You want me to read a little uh, ending uh, meditation or? Oh yeah, but but I have a question for Stephen. Didn't you do this a year ago? Didn't you do this sacrifice thing? <laughs> Didn't you actually lead the class on? Oh, did he? Mm -hmm. I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Uh, and, and I've said it many times. I just can't stand the subject. So I have to get that in there just to, you know, for the negativity of all, just, just
just to just to remember I'm still in the world and uh, don't really know what anything means. So we could go back and, and see what he, if I didn't know that, I would have just replayed it for you. You know, what the hell? I wouldn't have to do this, all this trouble. <laughs> oh, no, you did great. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, you did great. You did well, great. I don't I, even I, remember doing that one. Well, I'm just going to end up Thank reading a little bit about the atonement. Um, it's actually, it's from lesson. I wanted to do today's lesson, but we didn't get to it. Uh, it's, this is lesson 139. I will accept atonement for myself. So uh, read that to, to yourself or ha listen to it tonight before you go to sleep, but I'll just close with a little bit. So close your eyes um, and go to that quiet center where we all share, share in the one self that we are. Atonement remedies the strange idea that it is possible to doubt yourself and be unsure of what you really are. Nothing the world believes is true. It is a place whose purpose is to be a home where those who claim they do not know themselves can come to question what it is they are. Let us not allow our holy minds to occupy themselves with senseless musings such as this. We have a mission here. We did not come to reinforce the madness that we once believed in. Let us not forget the goal that we accepted. It is more than just our happiness alone we came to gain. What we accept as what we are proclaims that everything must be along with us. And thanks for all creation in the name of its creator and his oneness with all aspects of creation. We repeat our dedication for our cause today by saying, I will accept atonement for myself. For I remain as God created me. And so do you. Amen. We're two minutes over, guys. <laughs> God bless. Thank you, Sally. Thanks, everybody. I dreaded it, but I, I'm glad it's over, but it, it was okay. Great class. Thanks. <laughs> it was really good. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you, Sally. God bless. Night. Night.